Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again and welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. So glad to have you listening and joining us during this hour of spiritual direction that we have every single weekday here on Relevant Radio. You can listen to some of the uh, favorite moments of ours on the weekend too, but uh, as far as the live show, Monday through Friday we're here. And I also want to thank you for being so generous last week. Uh, I'm Josh Raymond. I'm the host here of The Inner Life. And, and uh, you know, last week, so much generosity being shown in our pledge drive. We had a need of $2.7 million, and we marched right past that, and we're closing in on around $3.2 million, over 14,000 people who donated last week. And thank you so much for uh, helping us out. If you're listening today and you said, oh, I didn't even realize last week was the pledge drive. Maybe you were on a summer vacation or for whatever reason you didn't tune in. Well, you can still help support Relevant Radio uh, because our needs are ongoing. So you can make that tax-deductible donation uh, by calling us at 877-291-0123 or you can give online at relevantradio.com or pledge through the Relevant Radio app. And today as we begin our program, I want to ask you, do you ever read the comics anymore? Because I don't know if that's as popular as it used to be. Do you have a favorite comic strip? Maybe did you grow up reading the daily comics in the newspaper? And once a week, did you pull out that special section of the Sunday comics when the the paper was delivered? Growing up, I I always remember having that daily newspaper delivered every morning. And even when my wife and I, we were first married, we got the daily paper as well. But somewhere uh, probably around 2005, 2006, I think, we found ourselves getting more of our daily news from online sources. It had just grown to the point that we said, well, probably not going to get the newspaper anymore. And so I, ever since that time, I haven't had the same access or the same routine of reading through the paper each day. And along with that, I don't really see the daily comics anymore. But as a kid, the comics were the best part of the paper. Because when you're a kid, that's, that's what draws your attention. They, that should be the only section of the paper, I think, when you're you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old. And the weekday paper, it would have those smaller, shorter comic strips, three or four frames typically, and they were always in black and white. But when the Sunday comics came in the paper, then they were their own section. They weren't buried back behind something, behind the classifieds or another section there in the paper. The Sunday comics, they had their own uh, fold-out section, and they also caught your eye because they were in full color. 
And the front page of the Sunday comics in the local pa paper where I grew up, it had Garfield as the top strip, then it was followed under that by the Peanuts, and then Beetle Bailey, that was the bottom of that front page. And my favorite comics when I was in junior high or high school, Calvin and Hobbes, one of my favorites, The Far Side was another great one too, but there were some comics that I just never stopped to read. They always seemed like a waste of space to me. I never really cared for Andy Cap. I never read Kathy. Prince Valiant, that was another one. I always wondered, who works at the paper and makes the decision to run some of these? Because who, who wants to read Prince Valiant? Now, if you're a Prince Valiant fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that just never did it for me. Uh, but the one comic that I knew earlier than any others... It was the Peanuts, Charlie Brown and the whole gang there. And I have chi early childhood memories of watching that Charlie Brown Christmas special on television. They also had some of the other specials that you'd see occasionally. I had this little box set of seven different Charlie Brown comic books when I was six or seven years old. And I even remember having Charlie Brown bed sheets for my twin bed when I was younger, you know, six, seven years old. And the Peanuts, they had this pretty decent ensemble cast of characters, and I'm sure you know most of them. Linus and Lucy, of course, Charlie Brown and his little sister, Sally, and he had his dog, Snoopy, uh, the little beagle, and Snoopy's little friend, the yellow bird, Woodstock. Then there's Schroeder playing the piano. There's Violet. There's that little red-haired girl that Charlie Brown thinks is the cutest girl on the playground. Uh, there's Marcy and Peppermint Patty. There's Franklin. There's Shermie. And then there's Pigpen. And do you remember Pigpen? He's that little member of the group that's always dirty. His face and his clothes, they're covered in dirt. His hair is this kind of tangled rat nest. Uh, a cloud of dust just follows him wherever he walks. And there's this one comic strip from the Peanuts that I remember reading years and years ago. And Violet, she's walking right next to you, a little behind this boy. And they're just walking down the sidewalk. He's a normal-looking boy, hair combed back. He's wearing some uh, overalls and a T-shirt. But as they keep on walking down the sidewalk, little by little, this boy, he starts to have some dirt that starts to show on his clothes. And then a little more, and soon his face is starting to get dirty. His hair starts getting messier and messier until, in the last frame, it's finally obvious that Violet has been walking along there with Pigpen. And having watched this transformation, Violet finally speaks up saying, Pigpen, you're the only person I know who can get dirty just walking along the street. And have you ever had a day like that where... Even without trying, without doing anything to invite any sort of mess into your life, you find yourself getting dirty from the events of the day. You, you spill something on your shirt at lunch, or you sit down on a chair that has some dirt or on it, or maybe somebody spilled a drink and you didn't see it there before you sat down. Or you were outside walking and you didn't watch where you were walking and stepped right into a puddle. Maybe it's one of those things, maybe it's all of them, maybe it's even more that all happens to you, but you didn't start out, you weren't trying to get dirty, you weren't trying to <laughs> wind up as a mess at the end of the day. But you know, in our spiritual life, we can also run into the problem of little by little getting dirty, getting messy in the course of our life. We might not be making any conscious decision to do anything wrong, to commit any sins, but then in the course of the day, maybe we lose our temper or we make some sort of unkind comment to someone, or we share a little gossip behind someone's back, or we just simply let our pride get in the way. We act in a way where we, we put our wants, our desires before anyone else. And those little things, they start adding up, kind of like 
pig pen just walking down the street, our soul, it starts to accumulate more of this crud and this junk from those sins that we've committed. And then we need to get cleaned up again. And that's where the sacrament of confession comes in for us as Catholics. And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. We want to spend this hour discussing the sacrament of confession. But more than just understanding the sacrament, we will also want to talk about how we can make a good confession. And so today on the program, our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, uh, we're going to look at the sacrament of confession. And Father Rob is a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Father Rob, I'm so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today and uh, joining us to talk about confession. Uh, are you a big fan of Charlie Brown and, and the Peanuts Gang, or do you have a different <laughs> comic that's your favorite? You know, I was uh, smiling as you were uh, talking, Josh, because I, a lot of those same comics that you enjoyed, I did as well, and the ones that you tended to avoid were also the ones that I didn't really uh, look at, but kind of glossed over as well, so I think we had similar tastes uh, when we funny. were younger, but... Uh, yeah. But it's a great, it's a great way. It's a very nice uh, analogy, you know, to, to appeal to Pigpen and the reality of, um, yeah, just the way in which we can sully our souls and how we need to uh, be cleaned up. And uh, and this sacrament is 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 so awesome. I, you know, as a priest, I get to celebrate it frequently, and uh, I have to say, it's one of the the great joys. I think of most priests that I know, they they really enjoy. Uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised when they hear that because they think, oh, this must be very depressing or must be very uh, difficult. But, but to, when you see how the Lord works through this sacrament to bring um, uh, forgiveness and healing to people's souls and lives, it, it's really special. It's, it's miraculous, really. So, Right. Yeah. Well, and as we kind of begin our conversation here, uh, you know, confession is the word I've always heard most often. I think it's the, the the title for this sacrament that gets used most commonly. But we also hear a lot of other phrases or titles given to this sacrament, especially if we go and look in the catechism. It falls under a sacrament of healing. It's also described as the sacrament of penance or the sacrament of reconciliation. And I'm always a big fan of defining terms, so we always, you know, here on the program, we're, we're all starting at the same place. If somebody isn't familiar with certain aspects of what we're talking about, we're not just assuming that we're all, we all know what we're talking about. So maybe you can uh, take a couple minutes, Father, and explain to us why we have these different titles and how it helps us have a better understanding of all the different facets of the Sacrament of Confession. Yeah, very good, Josh. And, and as you just said, I think each title, each name, uh, highlights a different dimension of the sacrament. So if we go back to that uh, traditional name, the Sacrament of Confession, um, I mean, obviously we are confessing our sins. We're bringing our sins out into the light so the Lord can forgive them, uh, destroy them, really. Uh, he destroys our sins in the, in the ocean of his mercy. But we're also confessing God's goodness, too. You know, I think here of that classic spiritual work by St. Augustine called the Confessions, in which he does talk about kind of the waywardness of his young life, but he also confesses God's goodness to him and, and God's mercy. So I think it's both, a confession of sin, but also of, of God's love and mercy. Um, yeah, the word penance, uh, another traditional name for this sacrament, the sacrament of penance, I I think that highlights the fact that um, we are given a penance, usually by the priest, uh, some small act to perform, uh, 
Uh, it could be a prayer to say. It could be a little sacrifice, a little act of mortification, maybe an act of charity. Um, but the purpose of that penance is to just kind of help bring home to ourselves that we need to uh, allow our words to um, show forth in some action. So it's a little way of making reparation, perhaps, um, for the sins that we've committed, but it's also a small sign of our uh, being committed to making some changes uh, going forward. Uh, more popular, I think, maybe in more recent times, is uh, the title, The Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's a beautiful word, and we might ask, you know, what relationships are reconciled through this sacrament? I mean, obviously, our, our um, relationship with God is either um, restored, if it's been broken through serious sin, or at least it's uh, strengthened, if we've only committed venial sins, uh, we're reconciled more deeply in our relationship with the Lord. But it also reconciles us more fully with the body of Christ, which is the church. Um, so to the extent that sin you know, distances ourselves uh, in the order of grace from uh, the bride of Christ, uh, the body of Christ, which is the church, reconciliation is meant to you know, kind of more fully incorporate us again or or reconcile us to the church. And so the priest is there not only as a representative of God, but also of the, the church, the believing community. And I think, too, we could say that a good confession or a good sacrament of reconciliation experience can reconcile us more deeply with, with ourselves as well. We usually come out of the confessional just feeling more, more you know, just more at peace, uh, more integrated. Um, and so there's a way in which we just feel better about, you know, our, our, ourselves as well. Um, so those would be the, the main, yeah, the main titles. Uh, as you mentioned, it is a sacrament of, of healing, so it's a way in which God's uh, healing grace uh, is operative. Um, the catechism talks about it, obviously, as a sacrament of, of forgiveness as well. So um, various titles, but they're all highlighting different important dimensions of the sacrament. Well, I'd like to go back to one thing that you mentioned here, too, um, that when we enter into that sacrament of confession. We are confessing our sins, but also we're confessing God's mercy. And as you said, you know, when we walk out of the confessional, we feel better. You know, there's that kind of weight that's lifted off. It helps us be at a point of resetting, of being able to start again, so to speak. Uh, but that, that concept of confessing God's mercy, um, is, that, is that something that... I'm wondering what are the different ways that we would see that. It's very obvious how we confess our sins. How does that take shape that we confess God's mercy when we enter into this sacrament as well? Mm -hmm. Well, I think about how often Jesus in the Gospels is portrayed as forgiving people's sins, and then how many parable, parables he tells about God's mercy um, you know, the classic uh, prodigal son story and so many others. So I think that when we talk about the very nature of God, you know, um, we, can, we can say he is love with a capital L, a, a triune community of love, but he's also mercy with a capital M, you know, that there's, it's in God's very nature to be merciful and to extend mercy. And so I think that, you know, before we even appear in the confessional, um, we need to be very confident that God, uh, who is mercy itself, is going to act mercifully towards us. So we should have a real confidence in that. 
I know, you know, from my own pastoral experience that quite often after after we sin, especially if we've committed serious sin or maybe we fall into a habitual pattern of sin that we struggle to break, our, our instinctive um, movement after sinning is often to berate ourselves and condemn ourselves and to, to feel like I'm unworthy now to even go into God's presence. And I think that's fertile ground for our spiritual enemy. Uh, our enemy wants to keep us kind of paralyzed in a posture of shame and guilt and so forth. And, you know, I think it's really important after any sin, even before we go to confession, that we immediately return to God in prayer and just confess his mercy, put our trust and mercy in his mercy. Uh, Jesus, I trust in you, you know, as St. Faustina says, that, that the Lord... Um, always stands ready to forgive and in fact our sins even draw him or attract him closer to ourselves so i'm not in any way advocating a a laxity or a ho-hum attitude towards our life of sin but just to say that you know the lord isn't interested in rubbing our nose in in our sins and kind of um he doesn't want us to just you know run away from him and uh, he just the opposite he wants us to really uh, confess uh, to, uh, his mercy uh, very boldly and, and have a lot of confidence in that. Well, and so one of the thoughts that I have in listening to you talk about this is the fact that when we approach that sacrament of confession, just by virtue of walking into the confessional, we are proclaiming that by our actions that God is mercy right. and that we we are we are ready and willing to receive his forgiveness, his mercy. Um, there's also one place that people will point out and say, well, you know, all sins can be forgiven, but there's that one unforgivable sin. And maybe we can talk for just a moment about that. Um, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is kind of famously that one unforgivable sin that's mentioned by Jesus in the Gospels. How does that play itself out? I mean, it, you know, a lot of times we'll say, um, or I'll, I'll have people who will say, uh, you know, I don't feel forgiven, or I, uh, I don't want to go to confession because I, I, I just don't, I don't know if if I'm going to be forgiven, there's kind of this, this wonder or this uh, uncertainty. But when Jesus talks about one unforgivable sin, that's kind of where it, it digs in its roots is us saying that the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough or that God's love isn't great enough or his mercy isn't great enough to be able to reconcile ourselves in relationship with God. Yeah, that's good that you're highlighting that, uh, Josh, because it, it could be a source of confusion. We can't interpret Jesus' words there as meaning that there's something we can do or some sin that we can commit which God will never forgive. I mean, you know, whatever you think is the most serious sin possible, to the extent that we are truly contrite and that we go before the Lord, you know, confessing our sin and then receiving absolution, we are forgiven. So it's really important that people listening know that. What Jesus is highlighting there is that um, if we do have a fundamental attitude, a root attitude, which is that, yeah, basically the Holy Spirit, you know, either God doesn't even exist and I can't, there's therefore no reason to go to confession, or that the Holy Spirit is not able to um, handle, you know, whatever I've done, 
then in a sense, you know, we've kind of set ourselves in opposition to what God has revealed about himself. So it's not that God on his end or on his part kind of withholds his mercy. You know, he's willing to forgive 99% of our sins, but this one sin he refuses to forgive. It's just that it's possible for us in our freedom, because God has given us that gift of freedom, we can actually, you know, set ourselves against the working of the Holy Spirit and against God's mercy. And if, if we choose, we can, yeah, just refuse to um, welcome this great gift of forgiveness that the Lord offers. So it's more it's more along those lines, I think. I hope that's kind of clear. So. Yeah, it's us saying that our sin is more powerful than God, even if God's right, says, you know. <laughs> right. No, it's not right. Which, which is why you know when people like like when they do say, "Oh, I'm totally unworthy of forgiveness," or "I I can't go to God for forgiveness." What I've what I've done is too horrible. It's too awful. I mean, there may be a sincere, you know, attitude there of unworthiness. Sure, remorse and sense, yeah. But I, but I think there can also be a hidden pride, as if you know somehow, yeah, God. Uh, you know, I, I should be so perfect, perhaps, that, you know, I should never have committed this sin, and therefore God isn't going to forgive it. So, I mean, we have to really trust God in what he reveals in Jesus Christ, which is that he's able to and actually desires deeply to forgive every sin. And a lot of the great saints, you know, would, would encourage us not to be overly distraught about our sin, because when we do berate ourselves and beat up on ourselves excessively, it, it's really often a sign of hidden pride again, that we're, we're almost like shocked that, we sh- that we're a sinner. No, when we get to know our weakness and our poverty, um, you know, that, uh, with that self-knowledge is really important. And, and again, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving for holiness or sanctity. I mean, we're all called to be saints, but, but that's, that's what God accomplishes in us. It's not something we do just by our, our own free will or by our own virtue. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised by our weakness and sin, and nor should we lose confidence in God's mercy when it happens. We just got to keep keep returning to Him and and trusting that the seventy times seven that Jesus talks about—that's how often we're supposed to forgive our brother or sister. Well, God also forgives us every time. Our spiritual director today on the Inner Life, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Today we're talking about confession, about experiencing God's mercy in this powerful sacrament. How have you experienced that mercy, that forgiveness? What has helped you to be able to make a good confession? And what do you do to prepare yourself before walking into the confessional? Has it been a long time since you've been to confession? Maybe you're a little nervous or you don't know where to start. Uh, Well, that's why our spiritual director, Father Rob, is here. And our studio line is open for your call right now at 888-914-9149, Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll talk more about the sacrament of confession uh, and how we can make that really good confession, how we can experience God's mercy in this beautiful healing sacrament coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester.
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Today, talking about the sacrament of confession and not only understanding the sacrament, but especially how can we make a good confession when we approach this sacrament of healing? And what has helped you in your life to be able to make that good confession? What do you do to prepare yourself before walking into the confessional? What has helped to allow you to experience God's grace and God's mercy in a more real fashion, a more real way when you walk into the confessional and hear those words of absolution and walk out and you know that you have been forgiven. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, And uh, Father, one of the things that you mentioned really briefly um, in our opening segment, you made reference to venial sins. And I think it might be good to talk about what the church says about sin. We have two different uh, categories, two basic categories that sin falls into for us. You mentioned venial sins, and then there's also mortal sins. So can you explain the difference between these two and uh, what each one is, how we understand if we have committed a mortal sin? Uh, Just walk us through some of that. So I think it's important that the Church does distinguish these different degrees or severities of sin, and, and I think it, it kind of makes sense to us in our own lived experience that not all sins are equally uh, serious. And so um, the Church you know, says that there are some sins that are so serious that they actually kind of break, basically, our relationship with God. They, they set us outside of the state of grace, and uh, if they're not repented of, you know, there's a, a danger that we might actually be eternally separated from God. And so those are biggies, and uh, it's important when we go to confession that we name those uh, explicitly in confession. Um, and uh, generally speaking, we don't uh, go to communion. We don't receive the Eucharistic Jesus in a state of, of mortal sin. So that would be important, too, that we don't kind of glibly just keep continuing to go to Mass and receive the Eucharist. We can go to Mass, but we should be receiving the Eucharist if, we, if we're aware of mortal sin. The Church uh, will talk about three conditions for a sin to be mortal. It has to be objectively serious, you know, something like murder, adultery, something that in and of itself is serious matter. Uh, secondly, we need to have full knowledge that it's, it's sinful. And thirdly, we need to have full consent of the will. We have to, you know, freely engage in it uh, fully. And it's usually that third um, condition that uh, can be the one that might uh, mean that an that a objectively serious sin is not actually mortally sinful for a given individual, especially if they're struggling with habitual sin, if it's something that you know they just right now are, are really uh, struggling to be free from. They're, they may not be consenting with, with their will completely. Um, and that's an important pastoral consideration uh, that we priests are often 
having to, to deal with in confession. Um, and then venial sins are those more smaller, minor sins. Um, you know, we should, that, that typical proverb, um, hate the sin, love the sinner, uh, that should really apply to every sin. We, we should really have a, a detestation even of small sins. Why? Because any sin in some way um, harms our relationship with the Lord if it doesn't break it. It does uh, wound or grieve his heart. You know, it makes him sad. Um, so we should have kind of a holy fear of sinning, um, and, and, and I mean that in a good sense, you know, that we should love the Lord. And just, just like a married couple, you know, if they are truly in love, they don't want to say things and do things that are, you know, intentionally going to hurt the other person or wound them, and all the more so in our relationship with God. Um, so yeah, so I think those just distinguishing those different levels of sin is, is very important for us. And we would say as Catholics that when we go to Mass and receive the Eucharist, there's really a, already a healing and forgiving grace given there. You know, and we have a, penit- an act of, a penitential act at the beginning of Mass in which we also confess our, our sins. So, so smaller sins can be, you know, kind of, um, I guess, dealt with, you could say, at Mass. But it's still, it's still good in practice to bring all of our sins to the confessional and to bring them out into the light. Well, and it kind of, you know, going back to the opening story of Pigpen, well, you know, part of the Charlie Brown gang there, if he is accumulating all of this dust and dirt, you know, as he's just walking down the street there, and if we have that ourselves, if we're only taking care of the serious things now that's important you know (laughs) if we've got serious filth in our lives that we need to go and have cleansed in the in the confessional that's important but i think there's also when you can be very aware of those smaller things that you might be doing in your life it helps you it helps you know yourself better and it's going to be an opportunity for you to say, okay, I might not be struggling with a lot of serious sin, but these smaller things, they're still a hindrance for me growing in holiness. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and you're highlighting one of the key benefits of going to confession on a regular basis, which is growth in holiness. Uh, you mentioned growth in self-knowledge. So this sacrament um, has a number of benefits to it beyond simply uh, the forgiveness of our sin. Um, it, it does increase our confidence in God's mercy and love. I mean, I think going regularly, we just naturally will begin to say, you know, I can really trust God at his word that he does want to forgive and heal me. Um, the, 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 the nice thing, too, about going to confession is you're confessing to a human representative of God, the priest, who has um, some spiritual knowledge and experience. And so while it's not spiritual direction per se, <clears throat> sometimes the confessor might say something to us, give some word of advice or counsel that might be you know, just really uh, profound, that can lead us to make a change or just bring us a real feeling of relief. And so... so um, I think there's a real difference, you know, in going to another human being as well. I think God knew what he was doing in giving us this process. Um, and, uh, you know, if I can maybe throw in a little story here. I, this is a story I heard years ago, and, and since hearing it, it's become for me kind of a neat metaphor for this sacrament. There was a, and this is a true story, it's about a violinist from England named Peter Cropper. Uh, he died a number of years ago now, but 
he was going to some concert with a very expensive Stradivarius violin. I mean, it was valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he went up on stage, and, and he tripped and fell and landed right on his violin, and, and he broke it. I, I think he broke the neck, and then part of the body of the violin was cracked. And what I, what I haven't been able, to, been able to find out online is whether he was so distraught that he couldn't perform, or maybe somebody lent him a, another violin, and he went on with the show. But what I do know uh, is that when he got back to England, he... He got a master craftsman to work on this instrument, and, and this person devised a special glue and did all this work on this violin. And after, after it was repaired, um, the, Peter Cropper was there, and a few other people who know, you know violins were there to hear this. And, and they claimed that the, the instrument somehow sounded better. It had a better hmm. resonant wow. you know, tone after it was repaired. And I, I like that story because it, it's sort of like when we go into the confessional, we confess our sins, we come back out the door. We're not, in a way, just reset to where we were, but in some ways, we're better off. We're, we're more humble, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're cleansed and more joyful. Um, we maybe have received some wisdom from the priest, which is going to help us now. So to think about that, that, that you know, over the course of a lifetime, confession doesn't just keep us in the same state, but it actually uh, makes us more beautiful, you know, by kind of God has a way of repairing kind of our, our brokenness or, mm. or, yeah, you know, so anyway. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, as you're telling that story, it reminds me of another story, you know, how that brokenness can transform us. And it's C.S. Lewis, his uh, short story, a short novel, um, The Great Divorce. And mm-hmm. there's one character in that that the uh, the the first person narrator is kind of seeing all these different people encounter um, uh, these heavenly um, uh, saints, so to speak, that have come to help them on their journey toward the heavenly kingdom itself. And there's one person that he comes across, and this man has this, I think it's a lizard that's on his back or on his shoulder, and it's kind of whispering to him, and it keeps on uh, bothering him and saying things to him. And that lizard is supposed to represent the sin of lust. And this man, he's not really willing to let go of it. And because of that, he's not going to be able to make any progress in making it to heaven itself. And there's an angel that essentially is there. And the angel says, can I kill this creature? And the creature itself says, oh, I won't say anything else. I'll just be completely quiet here. You won't even know I'm here. And tries to talk its way into just remaining there in this man's life. Mm-hmm. And the man, he says, well, it, it seems like it's not going to be a problem anymore. Maybe I can just go as I am. And, and the angel says, no, you can't. The only way is for me to kill this. And he said, well, if you kill the lizard, you're going to kill me too. No, I won't kill you. I'll only kill the lizard. And finally, after this back and forth dialogue, the man says, fine, go ahead, kill it. And as the angel starts to kill this lizard, this representation of lust, then the man starts screaming and he said, you said that it wouldn't kill me. This is going to kill me. And the angel clarifies and says, no, I said I wouldn't kill you, but I didn't say it wouldn't hurt. And Mm -hmm. so this man is going through and experiencing this pain. And then finally, 
the lizard falls off of his shoulder or his back and falls to the ground and it looks like it's dead. And the narrator is explaining this and watching and he says, but I looked away for a moment and when I turned back, it looked like, wait, maybe it's not dead. And it all of a sudden resurrects into this massive, beautiful, uh, you know, muscular um, uh, stallion that all of a sudden it's reborn because it's the thing that should be good that was twisted in a bad way. And all of a sudden this man can climb on the back of the horse and gallop off towards heaven because he allowed that sin to die. But the rebirth of the thing that we should have, the real good that God has given us, he embraces that and it just helps him to be able to travel faster than anybody else in that story. I always thought that was just a beautiful uh, representation there. Yes, yes, no, it's excellent. And and it's interesting that the lizard represents lust, because I think so often in our human experience, we, we tend to think, you know, that sexuality is something, you know, kind of dirty or polluted or whatever. And, you know, that story highlights that, I mean, lust, like you said, Josh, so well, it's, it's a distortion of something that in and of itself is meant to be good, you know, and that's often the case in our life, that, that sin doesn't, you know, uh, it doesn't always involve something that's, inherently evil it's it's something it's a gift it's something that god wants us to use well but that we make into a god somehow or put excessive emphasis on or uh or distort you know and and in doing so we distort ourselves too so uh yeah that's a beautiful story father let's go to the phones we've got larry who's listening in milwaukee and larry you're on the air here with father rob kroll welcome to the inner life today good morning thank you for taking my call um, any good confession starts off with a good exam. And Father, you, I had taken a retreat years and years ago, um, and we were doing these spiritual exercises, and you brought up the seven deadly sins and how uh, you enlightened us, and I'm hoping that others can be enlightened as well, that these, these come from wounds, and um, these sins that we have come from wounds. And it made me dig a little bit deeper into, well, why do I do this? And what wound did I have in my past that creates this this uh, sin for me? And, you know, it helped me kind of better understand the whole dynamics of of confession and, and why am I doing what I'm doing? Because a lot of us, we go in and then we repeat the same thing. And right. I just wanted to mention that, that, you know, and thanks for helping me on that because I never thought of something happened in my past that makes me do the things I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. thank you. Well, yeah, thanks, Larry, for um, for calling in and and talking about that. I what Larry is referring to is I I give I for many years I've given uh, weekend preached retreats to men and women. Uh, over the course of a weekend, and one of the talks that actually is often the most powerful for people is where I try to show how our life of sin is often uh, flowing from some woundedness, emotional or psychological woundedness, and um, and so what Larry's uh, getting at there is is very often, especially with habitual sin, um, it doesn't really resolve itself until we've been able to uh, understand the root, <clears throat> which there's, there are these deadly sins. So many of, the, many of the sins that we commit flow from a particular deadly sin. But, but beneath that deadly sin 
is a root system that, that is composed of uh, various wounds that we may have suffered, perhaps in our family of origin, often when we're very young, or maybe when we were in school, if we were bullied or teased or in some way mistreated. Um, and so the image I often portray, and I, I just, I, this is not of my own uh, creation, I've borrowed these things, but, but it's the image of a tree. And so um, just as when we look at a tree outside, you know, we can see the branches and we can see the trunk, but the whole root system, which is as large as the branches actually, it's all hidden from our view underground. In the same way, you know, often we go to confession for years, confessing the same sins. We scratch our head and wonder, why don't I make any progress? Well, it, it, not, not always, but, but often I think in my own experience, my own pastoral experience as a priest, it, it's because people have never really identified and then dealt with some of that emotional woundedness that they carry in their heart. And so that's just a word of encouragement to all of us to, uh, to really allow the Lord to reveal to us, you know, maybe certain areas uh, of, of brokenness and woundedness that we've suffered and, and be willing to kind of do the work of, um, whether it's with good counseling, uh, good reading, just, just to allow the Lord's uh, kind of healing to take place. Because then, I, you know, I think often sins are kind of symptoms. You know, uh, just as a doctor doesn't treat the symptoms, he or she treats the causes, the root causes, and then the symptoms kind of are alleviated. In the same way, I think often sins diminish or even disappear when we kind of get at the root woundedness that might be driving them. Uh, you mentioned counseling, Father, as a possible way. Is there a way that if, you know, I, I, I don't have the means to or I uh, just don't have, you know, the inclination to go and speak with somebody else, is there a way to identify those kind of root um, the wounds that have caused that sin uh, in our lives? Yeah, there are, there are some really good uh, printed resources available. I, I think about a book called Be Healed uh, by a very solid Catholic uh, therapist named Dr. Bob Shooks, uh, and that's S-C-H-U-C-T-S. Uh, but the book is Be Healed. Um, and uh, there are many other resources like that that would be available, uh, you know, if you do some uh, Google search. But, um, yeah, I think that can go a long way, you know, because then you're, you're being exposed to some really good information, but you're able to kind of assimilate it at your own pace. There are also, I think in many dioceses now, they have, like, healing retreats, or they'll have uh, prominent speakers come through who have, uh, like Dr. Bob, he goes around the country and gives uh, talks and retreats. Uh, yeah, some of these things are also online. You can actually hear retreats and talks, you know, that are online. So I would say if, if you can't afford to go to some, you know, counselor, uh, you might try to uh, access some of these other resources that are available. Uh, fortunately, you know, given the, the, the uh, Internet now, there's yeah. a lot that is available. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Well, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Rob Kroll, and we're talking about the sacrament of confession and especially how we can make a good confession. And how have you experienced that in your life? What do you do to prepare yourself before walking into that confessional? And how have you experienced God's mercy, God's forgiveness, ultimately God's love by being in that sacrament, by partaking of that sacrament of confession? Our studio line, 888 914 
914-914-9149. More to come and more of your phone calls right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. So glad to have you listening today as we're talking about the Sacrament of Confession our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll. I'm Josh Raymond, and I also want to say a big thank you. First of all, I want to say thanks to Nick Sentovich and Jim Shaper, our producers here on The Inner Life. Uh, they make sure everything runs as smooth as possible and help with all kinds of things behind the scenes. Also want to say thank you to you for making last week's pledge drive here at Relevant Radio just such an outstanding success. Thank you for being so generous. Uh, we heard from more than 14,000 people who don't donated last week. We had a need of $2.7 million. And that we say need because that really is. It's what we need to be able to continue with our operations. Uh, $2.7 million. We raised uh, just shy of $3.2 million. And so thank you for helping us uh, raise that and uh, allowing Relevant Radio to continue the work that it's doing. And you're a part of that. Uh, you know, we tell you that all the time during our pledge drives that, you know, it's not it's not just us. It's you and us working together here in this mission of Relevant Radio. Now, if you were on vacation last week or you didn't catch the pledge drive and you'd still like to make a donation, of course, it allows us to do even more. Um, so if you would like to make that tax-deductible donation, you can, of course, do that. Give us a call at 877-291-0123. You can also give online at relevantradio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. But again, more than anything else, thank you so much for your support uh, last week during our pledge drive. Uh, Again, talking about confession today here on The Inner Life. And Father, before we get back to the phones really quick, I think it might be good for us to talk about how do we make a good confession? What, what are the things that are really important that we do to prepare ourselves before we walk into the confessional? And what are the things, the key components of a good confession itself when we are there in the confessional with the priest? Well, I think, Josh, that uh, element of preparation is really key so that we're not just kind of showing up and not having thought through what, what sins we've committed and what we want to say. So the good news is there's um, some really good uh, examinations of conscience available again on, online or you know many different places. Some of them take the Ten Commandments, and under each commandment, they might have a list of questions to reflect on, kind of applying that particular commandment to my own life. Uh, or the Beatitudes is another one that I've seen. So you know, I think, uh, and some of these are adapted to a particular person's state of life too. Um, so I, I think that's really important that we take the time to really review our life. Um, before we go to confession. And, and then once we're there, um, I, I find as a confessor myself, it's helpful to hear a, a little bit about the person's background or state of life, you know, whether they're married or, or religious or how old they might be and so forth. And then also how long it's been since we've gone to confession. I listen differently if the person in the confessional came a week ago versus uh, 30 years ago, you know. And... Um, and then it's a matter, really, of just, uh, you know, again, naming um, 
especially the mortal sins. Uh, usually we talk about um, a frequency as well, the number of times if we know that. And we don't get too scrupulous or bogged down about that, but, but to mention uh, the sins that we've committed and, and roughly how frequent. Um, and then with the venial sins too, you know, we don't have to go into great detail but we can mention uh, those that we're aware of. And then we usually say something at the end of our, of our confession of sins, something along the lines of, you know, for all the sins of my past life or for any sins that I may have committed but I'm not aware of or that I've forgotten, you know, I also seek God's forgiveness for those. And, and then the priest will typically uh, give you then uh, a penance, and, um, and then it's, it's then the uh, penitence time to say an act of contrition. And again, there are a number of traditional acts of contrition that are available to us, um, but it's also perfectly acceptable to uh, say an act of contrition in your own words. The important thing is that you're, you're you know, saying that you truly are, are sincerely contrite or sorry for your sins and that you're resolving to uh, not sin going forward and to amend your life. So those elements are important. And then the uh, priest will end the confession with a prayer of absolution, through which the Lord truly does forgive our sins, and and uh, and that pretty much uh, ends. And the then you walk out of the confessional with a smile. And that <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I literally, when I was a new priest uh, at the Jesu Church in Milwaukee, I, I was so new I hadn't even memorized the uh, absolution formula yet, and. A man came to me. Uh, he said, I, I just saw the spire of the church. I'm just going through town. I haven't been to confession in a decade, but I want to go. So he went, and as I poked my head out the sacristy, I saw him literally skipping down the aisle oh, of the empty that's great. church. Uh, it was beautiful. So, um, yes, we should be joyful as we leave. All right. Father, let's go back to the phones. Mary, we've only got a, a minute left here, but wanted to get your question on before we wrap up the program today. You're on the air with Father Rob. Hi, thank you, Father Rob, for taking my call. Great program. If a person has confessed a mortal sin way back and then learned about the promise um, of Divine Mercy Sunday, that the Lord has said, you know, he'll remove all temporal punishment due to any sins, does that include past confessed sins before you knew about Divine Mercy? And what exactly does that mean, all temporal punishment? Does that mean removal, you know, from purgatory? <laughs> for that particular sin if it's been confessed in the past. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Yeah, that would be my understanding, is that um, the removal of the temporal punishment would be, uh, like we talk about a plenary indulgence, for example, you know, that, that, that the uh, consequences of that sin or the um, punishment that would be due to that sin is remitted. Um, we didn't really get into it in the program, but one of the things, you know, we Catholics would say is even if, in general, our sins are, are always forgiven in confession, but then we wonder, well, why do we even need purgatory? Why is that reality important? And I think it's because we realize that while a sin may be, may be forgiven by God, you know, every sin has sort of unforeseen consequences. We might think about a pebble thrown into a pond and, and the rippling effect of that, of that pebble. So in, in heaven, there can be no... Um, there, there's only reconciliation in heaven. There can't be any, any uh, uh, you know, distance from one another from God. So all of that has to be healed uh, in, bur in purgatory before we can enjoy the fullness of heaven. <laughs> so I'm sorry that we, we yeah, had to kind of rush. And Mary, we are on, uh, short on time. So I hope that helps. And uh, Father Rob, we've got about 10 seconds for a final blessing for all of our listeners. And so I ask that the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
come down upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen, and God bless. Thank you so much, Father Rob. Uh, If you... If you missed any portion of the program, of course, you can go online and you can find it. The podcast will be posted at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app here in a little bit. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next. Our celebrant, Father Mark Malezova.